Welcome to Economics Happy Hour. My name's Matt. And I'm Jadrian. And this is our last episode of 2023. You're all done grading? Um, I officially finished, what's today? Today, uh, we are recording on a Wednesday. I finished on a Monday and got all the grades posted that afternoon. Um, dealt with all the emails the next morning. And today has been email free uh, related to grades and final grades. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mark it as officially done. Very cool. Yeah, I have uh, my one class. I still have a little bit of grading left, but it'll mm-hmm. be by the time people listen to this, I will be done. So. You bet. I think your your uh, your provost is going to agree with that. <laughs> but that's I'd be in a lot of trouble. Of... Um, <laughs> yeah, they're due two days before this drops, so yeah, I, I better be. I better have them in. <laughs> um, any and then you have a, some travels coming up over the break. I have a some travels. Might some see per- some stadiums, some personal travel, uh, some business. I'll call it business travel. I guess I'm going to the AEA meetings in uh, in San Antonio. So I guess this will come out before the AEA meeting. So if you're going to be in San Antonio for the American Economic Association annual meetings, please let me know. Happy to happy to meet up and hang out. Um, but one of the things that's really cool: the annual meetings this year are in San Antonio, Texas. I am from outside of Houston, Texas. So what I'm doing is I am going to fly into Houston, get a rental car, drive to see my family, drive to San Antonio, and then fly back from San Antonio. Uh, so anytime there's something in Texas, I try to go home, make it a little bit longer. So it'll be a nice sort of personal trip, professional trip together. Right. What about you? I might have some travels. It depends on we're still trying to figuring it out. Would likely be visiting family, may have some other stuff too, but yeah um so should be nice and uh, <laughs> mad as it works so i'm yeah. at home drinking you know but i was gonna chime in drinking? and say I, I was gonna chime in and say you know talk about spirits i should have had a mixed drink um yeah. but i'm not i'm having a Spirit beer of christmas past I what did, are you uh, drinking today i did invest in some uh i think i'm gonna try to make a, a you know, brian i would say motivated me uh i'm gonna try to make a, a bar cart and try to start making mixed drinks so brian or work you have motivated me with your sidecar. I'm very, I'm very interested. We'll see how I do. Worst case scenario, I spent 150 bucks at the liquor store on a bunch of different things, and they'll sit in my cabinet. So I think I could drink it today. Though uh, it's a beer. Today though it's a beer. I am having. Where did I buy this? I either bought it from Trader Joe's or I bought it from Aldi. Um, one of those. I bought it from a grocery store. It is a White Tide Belgian style wheat ale with orange peel and coriander. And since it doesn't have Joe in the title, I'm going to assume I got it at Aldi. And it's made Um, by who? Like, what's the name of the brand name of the beer? Brewed and bottled by Rockwall Brewing Company. Okay. Has it got a title for the beer or is it just... White white Tide. White Tide beer. So it's sort of of like a blue moon. So to celebrate, I put it in the appropriate glass even. Um, Except I have no no head. So who knows how this is going to (laughs) taste. That that looks a little sketchy, I gotta say. I I have a diet coke. I'm in the office today, so say. Um, but I am pouring. You know, you often have the cool uh, things. I am pouring mm-hmm. it in our Bloomberg for education. We have uh, 16 Bloomberg terminals for a little over oh, wow. 16 for a little over 600 business students. Uh, one of our finance faculty members had said we may have the highest ratio of any school, and I. That- I I'm not certain of that. Some might only have 12 is like the magic number. But then after 12, mm-hmm. you get the same price for any four more. I suspect yeah. for anybody who has more than 12, we probably have the most terminals per student of any school. I don't know that I can verify that. But 
I can tell you, at least from Penn State, I don't know how many they had in the business school. Not many, maybe four or five. I feel like it wasn't very many. I should say I don't know for sure. But the econ department is not in the business school there. We had two Bloomberg terminals, but we also had like a thousand majors. Uh, So your ratio is still, you're still winning on that one. I would imagine they had 12 across the campus because there's the first one costs full price. The second one costs full price for a university. The third one, you get nine free. That's university price. What a, I cannot wait to hear your uh, your next YouTube video on the pricing strategies of Bloomberg of Bloomberg terminals. That's um, yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting one. It, it would be an interesting graph uh, on that. You know what my my guess has to be that if you're you, you, so wait, if you pay for two, you get nine free. No, the first two are full price. This is only okay. universities. I get this. Yeah. This is up. Uh, uh, but if you're willing to buy three, then the next nine are free. No, three is not cheap. It's like 75 grand a year. Yeah. Uh, I wonder the- if there's there's there must be some threshold, right? That at very yeah. small places have one and then, yeah, three must well, be. I mean, outside number. of academia, we had a job candidate who came in recently who worked at the Fed and they said they had a Bloomberg terminal at their hmm. Federal Reserve in Philadelphia. Um, Interesting. This was not what we had planned to talk about. So maybe we no. should get back to. Back to so, Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer as we're talking about Scrooge. dropping money on a, on a Bloomberg terminal. So, Ebenezer Scrooge. Um, the you know a short you if you go through and go to the Cliff Notes version that is on Google. Uh, Ebenezer Scrooge is a hard-hearted old miser who hates Christmas, exploit exploits his clerk Bob Cratchit, and mocks those who seek to help the poor. On Christmas Eve, though, he's visited by the ghost of his former business partner, Jacob Marley. So that's Scrooge. The question we're we're asking here is, was Scrooge good for the economy? Or was his behavior good for basically the economy, society? Was it bad for society? And what's the mix of both? Before we jump into this, I have a question for you. We are talking about Scrooge in the Dickens tale at the time it was written. Was he good for the economy? Or are we saying like, is somebody like Scrooge good for an economy today? I think you could go with either. Why don't we do both? Let's let's try to do both. Maybe we start with the Scrooge in the book and then maybe we can transition and say, what about today? Because my answer is going to change. Like dependent that that's why that's why I asked. Okay. Um, you know the the hard hearted part. You're gonna don't agree with that. So I don't know. Do you want to what what do you want to give your your take on this first, or do you want me to give a take on this first? Um, I, you know, I'll give you my take. My take is going to be very light, mostly because um, I think I, I think I have uh, I, I'm going to say I'll, maybe not an interesting take. I, I have a take. I would say. Um, the Scrooge of yesteryear, the old Scrooge from the 1800s, uh, I'm going to go with a resounding no, not good for the economy. And I have some reasons why that I'll, I'll, I'll kind of focus on it. If I were to say a Scrooge, somebody behaving like that today, not necessarily good for the economy, but better than the version we would have seen in the Dickens tale. So I would say a, a version of him today is better for the economy, not necessarily, I wouldn't say good for the economy, but better for the economy. That's my stance. So I'm going to say Scrooge, no, 
not great for the economy. Okay. Why was Scrooge not great? And I'm going to be disagreeing with you, by the way. So. I, I thought that, I thought so. When you proposed this topic, I thought yeah. that this is what it was going to be. So yeah. that's why I asked for the clarification. So sure. I will say um, Scrooge of the, uh, when did Christmas Carol come out? Like 18, middle of 1800s, right? When it comes to economic impact, and we'll say from an individual billionaires, right, whatever, companies. 1843. I'm going to actually try to, wait, you said 1843, right? 1843. Fantastic. Um, I'm going to try to argue this from a macroeconomic standpoint. One of the big sort of net, like kind of big picture stories is that someone's spending is someone else's income. So sort of this national accounting type approach to it. Investing in your business. Yes, absolutely. A good thing. Sort of focused capitalism. Yes. That is, I mean, the industrial revolution is part of the reason that we have uh, this hockey stick of growth where there's like no growth for centuries. And then econo- uh, the industrial revolution, just gro- dramatic growth. I think that sort of behavior is actually is, is is important and good for the economy. However, part of the story of Scrooge is not necessarily that he was always investing in his company, but that he was saving that money and keeping it and sort of, I, I'll say hoarding, but not necessarily, it's maybe not the right answer. Um, there was a lot of savings that he was doing. And in the mid 1800s, that sort of saving is not necessarily good for the economy. That sort of saving today is good when we think about financial systems and loans and sort of the uh, monetary system of the United States or England at the time, like anywhere is much better than it was before. So I'd say the saving behavior, no, it was not helpful for the economy. Um, (laughs) I hate this phrase, but you sort of need to spend money to make money. Um, He wasn't, he was a spendthrift, right? He wasn't spending very much money. So you weren't getting that sort of turnover of dollars in society, um, that wasn't really sort of helping drive the economy. So that's my stance on old Ebenezer okay. Scrooge. But I, you know, in our entire, this is the last episode of 2023. You could argue this is like the last episode, essentially, of season one of Economics Happy Hour. Uh, season one, think, you got us talking about macro. I don't think I've disagreed with you more on a topic. Literally, oh, like the whole year, like a... I don't know that I have. Uh, okay, this is so good. I think he was brilliant. First of all, there's the production aspect, right? This person did produce a lot. And there's the idea that entrepreneurs who produce things create a lot of value for society that's outside of what they keep. But that, you know, this mm-hmm. the ver- there's studies that will try to estimate how much I've I've often seen seen it, it's 20 times that if you're creating a, so much of the value goes outside. And if you think about um Microsoft and what it's done to, you know, for operating systems, or if you think about uh, Amazon or, you know, whatever company you want to think about Apple. Yeah, there are people who've become billionaires or multi-billionaires, but the world has all of these things to use for incredibly low prices because of the innovation. The So there's that aspect of it, but actually the miserly behavior, if you step back, um, All of these goods are produced and they're in society. And this person's rich and could Mm -hmm. consume a lot of them, but instead isn't consuming them. So what's happening with those goods, Uh, you know, with everything that's being produced, given that Scrooge isn't consuming them, that's free for other people to consume. So other people are living richer because he's choosing to live 
such a simple basic life and yeah the 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 whole um the saving and investing part is the only part where there's like that does give me a little bit of a pause on this like what happens with essentially the savings like once you introduce money into mm -hmm. an economy how does that all work and in general now i mean if somebody puts if somebody is saving money then there's more money available for others um to invest in whatever they'd like to invest in and it's good back then there's a question could there have been some frictions on that well perhaps but overall um i would actually think he you know the he was helping in two ways one is by producing all the stuff and two because wasn't consuming it um really meant everybody else is so much better off that is an interest i uh, okay so I, we obviously came at this from two different sides right so i came at it from the saving side you came at it from the lack of consumption side um interesting no and i've seen i mean i've this is not my like original thoughts i've seen others kind of talk through this a little bit and there one of a quote that i love um i wish i knew who said it and i wish i knew the exact quote but um i don't know that i completely agree with this but i still think it's an interesting quote so the only difference between a miser and a philanthropist is that the philanthropist is dictating where their generosity goes to but the mm -hmm. miser is essentially spreading it evenly throughout society by not consuming. It's something I, I heard that, I think, within the last year. And I was like, that's just fascinating because they're, mm -hmm. you know, you have the right to consume based on your income. And if you're not, that means all those things are available for other people to enjoy. Yeah. You know what I had not like, so I will, uh, I can share with everybody else that I, I listened to a story of a Christmas Carol on the way. Uh, to this recording so that I could think more about it because it's just been I mean it's been I, I don't even know how long, long it's been since, yeah. since I've seen A Christmas Carol um, or even I don't even know that I've read it um, but I've at least seen it and so I want to make sure that I was thinking about, and I think the entire time all I could think about was this idea of when when you and I talk about you know good for the economy was this idea is that you know is money circulating and sort of recreating uh, value back into the economy and so I was, I was thinking about it from the money from the side. sort of from the money side, right? From the yeah. Myers Lilly side of like, look, he's saving all this money. He's not reinvesting it. He's, you know, he's yeah. he has made a business for sure. He's made a business, and that sort of the entrepreneurship side, I I would say I agree with you. Yeah. This yeah. idea yeah. that you know he has invested in his business that is creating products for other people, part of the industrial revolution. Um, and so I was really focused on the sort of saving side of it, where that money's not getting. Not getting reinvested, right? He's penny pinching, um, and, and normally we think about sort of this money multiplier that he yeah. you know, he spends a thousand dollars, then somebody else he's buying things that is then somebody else's income. Sure, sure. And that is such a huge component of sort of the national accounting stance. And so I think the extreme version is: what if everyone saved all their money and didn't purchase things for other people? Right, we would have this sort of collapse in GDP. A big part of economic growth is producing things for other people to consume. Yeah, and I think um, so. I mean, we don't we we know that he's kind of miserable, and I mean the way they they set him up, right? You know, the the short description, hard hearted, right? Not really the most friendly person, kind of miserable in life. All of those, then you think, okay, it's it's about now. If, if he had right let's say it's 
let's say the, the the big luxury of the day in 1843 this is clearly not true right but for for the point it was flat screen televisions right like they you know these yeah. were amazing and he just happened to have a room full of all of these things that mm -hmm. were produced and he wasn't using them and he wasn't letting others yeah i mean we kind of don't know what's um but well, so you could think think about it as like horses right i would imagine horses probably would have been really important at the time even though the, the industrial revolution is happening more than flat screen TVs. Yeah. Cause the things like carriages, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Here, but here's the thing though, right? So, but, but purchasing those TVs puts money that's income for other people who can then go out and buy the stuff that your company is selling. But by not purchasing those TVs, those people have less money, not necessarily more. Yeah. Like, I think there's, there's a difference between sort of using resources where we think about like natural resources is very different than sort of gobbling up all of the output that's produced. Yeah, and I'll try to think about this, and I'll be interested, you know, for our economist friends who listen to this, chime in, and we'll be really curious about your thoughts on this, because I, th you know, I'm trying to form these as I go. But so if, um, if he is not, like, let's say there's some set of things that were produced, and if Scrooge isn't out buying them, in theory, what does that end up doing? Um, okay, well, the seller, if there's some number of them produced and they all go out to people, you know, if some number of flat screen TVs are, have been mm -hmm. produced and they're all going out to people, then all of a sudden every one extra person's getting one, you know, if he was going to have one in his house or not, or, mm -hmm. you know, one. But it, I guess if his spending, is there any world in where him not spending causes things not to be produced in the first place? If that if that's the case, I think the argument that he has some negative impact on the economy is a lot stronger. Well, I think that would be true, right? Because if he if he's not putting money into the economy, right? So say he's not purchasing food, right? I mean, he has to eat, but right, banquets or something, right? If he's pulling money back, that's going to all of the other people should respond in that. Oh, my main source of where I'm sending cookies let's go with cookies it's almost yeah cookies. It's, it's about to be new january so we're, maybe we're going to talk about diets again for our next episode right like if i'm a baker and i know that scrooge orders a dozen cookies every single week but he's going to cut back i'm not going to keep producing cookies and hope that other people purchase it i'm going to also scale back and say well my main customer is not purchasing things anymore i'm going to buy a, i'm going to sell a little bit less so that's that part's true Although then the counterpart that I go to is that person could devote their labor to producing things other people would want. And in right, but it would be the next best thing, which would be a lower value. Could be a lower to the person producing, but they're, they're, whatever they're producing ends up enriching others' lives more. It's like their labor will be going to make somebody else's life richer. So not, I don't, I don't we're think leaving I people, We're leaving people with <laughs> things to think about. And, and we're well, going to... Yes, so, I, you know what, actually, Matt, I think that's a good point, right? I think there's being good for the economy is not is is not an absolutism, right? So like, there's not a you're good or bad. Yeah. And even though we presented it sort of, I think, starting that way, I think this is a really good chance to think about could Scrooge have been better for the economy, given old Scrooge? And I would say spending more of his money would have been better for the economy. It would have generated new economic activity that people could have. Now, that's not to say I don't think he should spend every single penny that he has. He should not spend beyond his means. We don't want that. Um, right at the end of the day, again, I'm going to go back to national accounting. At the end of the day, spending and saving, they have to add up. You can't, we can't all do that. Um, and so I think he could have been better.
better for the economy by spending more. I don't necessarily think his behavior is bad for the economy. I, I think he could have been worse. Um, and so I would say I, I'm somewhere. I'm, let me, let me restart it. I'd say I'm in the middle, but okay, I think he could yeah. have been better for the economy. Yeah. Uh, I think the worst thing he probably did was mocking those who were seeking to help the poor. But I, I don't know that his miserly. I think I'm, I'm I'm still not convinced that the miserly part wasn't good. But we'll let we'll let everybody else chime in. We we went into this thinking we need to keep this short because we're hoping to record two today so that over <laughs> Christmas break we can, um, you know, as we're doing the traveling, have a couple in the queue. So I think we can maybe stop there. But we would love your comments and your thoughts um, for everybody who's listening. Give, give us what you think on uh, A Christmas Carol. And then I don't know if you have any Christmas-themed uh, pop culture, other than the fact that we just spent the whole episode talking about. Of course I do. Christmas of is course. one of my, fa- awesome. of my favorite ones. What no, man, I, th- I think this was, a, this was a great episode to just talk a little bit about um, that sort of behavior. I absolutely... I, w- I came into it, obviously, in one direction. You, you've at least convinced me to think a little bit differently. Um, so I'll actually give two. We haven't talked about the Journal of Economics teaching today, so maybe I'll squeeze this in here. There is a paper in the Journal of Economics teaching um, uh, about using Christmas movies uh, to help teach economics. Uh, so it's by Amanda Manzik, who is at Shepherd University uh, in West Virginia. She has basically created, I want to say it's about a dozen different scenes that you could essentially use as like a review of your principles of economics course. So if you're an econ teacher... Uh, and maybe ne- this might be for next year. This will be you're thinking about. Year. Yeah, it's all right. You're prepping for next fall. Exactly. Um, that's a really good resource. My, but my favorite one is actually one I don't show during uh, the end of the month. I actually show it very early on in, in the semester. And I'll say it's Christmas adjacent. Uh, it is the scene from Jingle All the Way. Do you know that movie? I know of the movie. I remember okay. seeing ads for it. I don't think I've ever seen Jingle All the Way. <sighs> It's it's a it's one of those very good bad movies. Okay. Uh, so Jingle All the Way stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is uh, trying to find a very special toy for his son that is an incredibly high demand. It is a Turbo Man action figure doll, and so he's running all over town, going to different stores, trying to find it. Uh, and he fi- and so are other parents at the same time. And so other they show up at a store. There's a, they got a limited shipment of Turbo Man action figures and the store manager is standing up at the front announcing like we have a limited amount of Turbo Man action figures and based on the laws of supply and demand, the new list price has doubled. Um, and so they, they sort of talk about it and then they have an auction where they, everybody gets balls to try to get it. Uh, but there's like this scramble to try to get these like lottery balls to win a, a ticket. So I use it to talk about elasticities and talk about how we observe a price change. And yet nobody leaves when the prices go up. And so I talk about it as like, that's a really good example of like inelastic demand that even though the prices have doubled, everybody's still yeah. there. The quantity demanded has essentially been unchanged. So that's my favorite example. I use it in elasticity, but it's a Christmas movie. So I'm going to chalk it up in there. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. The one I will bring up, I've my last episode in my series on Friends, by the time this is out, it will have dropped. It drops... Um, where this is a Wednesday, it's dropping tomorrow. And it, it is on gift giving. And we had a full episode devoted to um, a little bit about this last year. But there are several clips from Friends where gifts are exchanged and some that inf- reinforce the notion of gift giving as inefficient, whereas mm-hmm. uh, Rachel is basically exchanging the gifts of everybody that they 
you know, gives her gifts in order to get store credit to get whatever she wants. And the, uh, you know, some gifts of Chandler, you know, an example of Chandler buying bookends for Phoebe and Phoebe and Rachel, and they're just making fun of him for why would you buy me uh, these bookends? Uh, then there's also, uh, I think, a good example of where a gift has the sentimental value that increases way beyond the purchase price. And that actually the gift example I use, it's not really a Christmas present, but it's the um, Monica sets up the scene for an engagement. Mm. And, you know, it's way more powerful in terms of what it meant than just whatever the price would have been. So that's interesting. in terms, so I think it kind of hits both of, you know, the various clips that are spliced together, uh, kind of hit both sides of the, is Christmas giving inefficient or efficient arguments that we we brought up last year and if you didn't listen to that because you're new we will put a link to that but it's 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 another fantastic episode it is episode one of the podcast so it's very easy to find uh it's it is currently our this is sort of interesting it is currently our number two top post uh but it is our very first post but yeah we'll include a link for sure um in the substack very cool. And thank you to everybody for listening. This is our last episode of 2023. We appreciate so many of you listening, reaching out to us, giving us beers uh, on occasion, making comments. We got a great note about somebody kind of writing up a lesson plan mm-hmm. on this and sharing that with us. And just the the emails, the notes of people who've said that this has been meaningful. I, I know that's it's makes it exciting i think for us to keep doing this absolutely thank Thank you you, everyone season one is officially in the books season one is in the books and thank you we'll look forward to seeing you all in 2024 and jader cheers cheers matt